Section 1. J.P. Morgan Chase, Principles and Strategies. In this section, I want to give the reader a comprehensive view of how we run the company. We manage the company consistently with these principles in mind, and they have stood the test of time. We also strive to satisfy and even exceed the requirements of our regulators and governments around the globe, and we think these principles are a critical component of that. 1. First and foremost, we look at our business from the point of view of the customer. Customer needs are what gets our attention. We believe that in a hyper-competitive world, from competitors known and unknown, the best strategy, both offensive and defensive, is to give the customer more, something better, faster, or more efficiently. We are always on a quest to improve our products and services, and for the most part, this is done with enhancements in technology and through the continual training of our people. Most fundamental of all is doing the right thing for our customers, in all cases. We energetically drive organic growth. We continue to drive good and healthy organic growth, meaning good customers, products and services they need and want at fair and reasonable prices. And while we are happy with our progress, we recognize that we won't meet every goal we set for ourselves and can always do better. In past letters, we have identified many areas of organic growth. Our achievements with these initiatives are detailed in the CEO letters in this annual report, but a few of the critical strategies are highlighted in the sidebar below. Organic growth opportunities across our lines of business. Consumer and community banking. By 2022, we expect 93% of the U.S. population to be in our Chase footprint as we expand our branch network to new markets with an integrated physical and digital approach. In addition to entering the Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, and Boston markets in 2018, we recently announced nine new markets for 2019, including Charlotte, Minneapolis, Nashville, and St. Louis. The onboarding experience for new customers is being simplified. Customers can open a new deposit account digitally in three to five minutes. Functionality that added approximately 1.5 million new accounts since its February 2018 launch. We're expanding this functionality inside our branches as well. We also recently announced Chase My Home, our new digitally enabled mortgage fulfillment process that pre-fills applications for our existing customers. It's 20% faster than our paper-based process, allowing us to close a mortgage within three weeks. Our confidence in our enhanced approach is reflected in our money-back guarantee. Customers recently began receiving personalized merchant offers and discounts from Chase Offers. This program ramped up rapidly, with customers activating 25-plus million offers across 7 million cards in the initiative's first three months. Credit Journey, with more than 15 million users enrolled, has also been a tremendously successful way to engage customers through access to credit score information and identity protection. And later this year, we'll make it easier for our credit card customers to borrow on their existing lines through two new products. My Chase Plan, allowing customers to finance a specific purchase at a reasonable cost at the point of sale. And My Chase Loan, letting customers borrow against their unused credit limit and pay back their debt in fixed amounts at a competitive rate. These products enable us to compete for the approximately $250 billion in card loans that our existing customers have with competitors. Corporate and Investment Bank We have been number one in investment banking for the past decade, 
and finished 2018 with 8.7% of global wallet share, the industry's best. Still, we believe we can increase our share over time as we continue to add bankers selectively and leverage technology to provide better data and insights to our clients. Our treasury services business grew revenue by 13% last year. As we further implement our wholesale payments model, which includes merchant services, we will be able to deliver a unique value proposition to our clients. We see opportunities in every customer segment, from middle market and small businesses to large corporate clients and their business outside of the United States. We have consistently grown share in markets, including in businesses where the wallet has shrunk. We are prioritizing investments in products and technology to stay ahead of our clients' needs. As companies expand their businesses and acquire assets, increasingly across borders, our global expertise in hedging risks and protecting capital can be as important to them as the actual acquisition. Our security services business has transformed itself into an industry powerhouse, and it sits alongside the world's leading trading businesses. As asset managers face ongoing pressures from passive investing and margin compression in the coming years, we think we have a unique opportunity to help them become more efficient by outsourcing support functions and using our innovative technology platforms. Our corporate and investment bank is one of the few truly global businesses in the financial services industry. As emerging countries take their place on the global stage, we will be there to support them. The investments we are making in China and in other emerging markets today will result in our international growth for years to come. Commercial Banking Being able to deliver the broad-based capabilities of J.P. Morgan Chase at a very local level is a key competitive advantage. Since launching our middle market expansion efforts, we are now local in 39 new markets and have added 2,800 clients, resulting in 22% compounded revenue growth over the last three years. Our growth potential for middle market business isn't just limited to our expansion markets. Through data-driven analysis, we've identified nearly 38,000 prospective clients nationally. Some of our most exciting opportunities are within our legacy markets, like New York, Chicago, Dallas, and Houston, where we have been for over a century. Chase's retail branch expansion amplifies our opportunity to deepen relationships with clients who already are in those markets by giving them access to branches and the additional resources that come with that access. In addition, the expansion opens the opportunity to serve more public sector customers in new U.S. markets through our government banking business, deepening community engagement and broadening our work with cities, states, public universities, and other municipal clients. Commercial banking's partnership with the Corporate and Investment Bank continues to be highly successful and is a key growth driver for both businesses. Being able to deliver the number one investment bank locally enhances our strategic dialogue with our clients and separates us from our competitors. In 2018, 39% of the firm's North America investment banking fees came from commercial banking clients, totaling $2.5 billion in revenue, up from $1 billion 10 years ago. We expect that number to continue to grow. Asset and Wealth Management we are using data and technology to transform how we interact with clients. By integrating our human expertise with distinctive digital offerings like Uinvest, we have been able to attract new clients, 89% of whom are first-time investors with Chase. 
we are expanding our footprint to capture more of the opportunity across the U.S. wealth management spectrum. From mass affluent, $500,000 to $3 million, to high net worth, $3 million to $10 million, to ultra-high net worth, $10 million or greater. By the end of 2019, we expect to have 6,500 advisors globally on the ground where our clients need us most. We have continued to innovate our product lineup by adding 47 index funds and exchange-traded funds, ETF, over the last three years. The charts below show J.P. Morgan Chase's fairly consistent growth over the years. This kind of growth only comes from happy, repeat customers. They have plenty of other choices. For reference, see chart. Client franchises built over the long term. For reference, see chart new and renewed credit and capital for our clients, 2008 to 2018. For reference, see chart. Assets entrusted to us by our clients at December 31st. Two, we endeavor to be the best at anything and everything we do. While we never expect to be best in class every year in every business, we normally compare well with our best in class peers. The chart below shows our performance generally by business versus our competitors in terms of efficiency and returns. For reference, see chart. J.P. Morgan Chase is in line with best-in-class peers in both efficiency and returns. On an ongoing basis, we analyze and compare ourselves with our competitors at a very detailed level. The analysis we do is on more than 50 sublines of business and hundreds of products, incorporating not just financial data, but also operational data, customer satisfaction, and many other measures. Our management will always be very critical of its own performance acknowledging our shortcomings and mistakes, and studying them intensely and learning from them make for a stronger company. We also never lose sight of the fact that we have an extraordinary number of strong competitors. We cannot be complacent. There are many capable financial technology, fintech companies in the United States and around the world. Technology always creates opportunities for disruption. We have acknowledged that companies like Square and PayPal have done things that we could have done but did not. They looked at clients' problems, improved straight-through processing, added data and analytics to products, and moved quickly. We recently sent one of our senior teams to China to study what's being achieved there with artificial intelligence, AI, and fintech. And it's hard not to be both impressed and a little worried about the progress China has made. It made our management team even more motivated to move quickly. Suffice it to say, no matter what our current performance is, we cannot rest on our laurels. Three, we will maintain a fortress balance sheet and fortress financial principles. A fortress company starts with a fortress balance sheet. You can see in the chart below that our balance sheet is extraordinarily strong. For reference, see chart, our fortress balance sheet at December 31st. We have an incredibly well-capitalized bank with enormous liquidity, but a fortress balance sheet isn't enough. To be a fortress company, we believe that you also need to have strong, properly diversified earnings and margins. It is capital and liquidity combined with strong earnings and margins that provide the ability to withstand extreme stress. I want to remind shareholders that we run hundreds of stress tests internally each month 
some of which are far more severe than the Federal Reserve's, the Fed, annual stress test. We also believe that we should have strong earnings after making investments for the future, which may reduce earnings in the short run. We are cost and capital efficient. We rigorously allocate our capital, and we continually analyze our businesses, both to maximize their individual performance and to make sure they are contributing to the health of the whole company. We like to use our capital to grow. We much prefer to use our capital to grow than to buy back stock. We believe buying back stock should be considered only when either we cannot invest, sometimes as a result of regulatory policies, or we are generating excess capital that we do not expect to use in the next few years. Buybacks should not be done at the expense of investing appropriately in our company. Investing for the future should come first, and at J.P. Morgan Chase, it does. However, when you cannot see a clear use for your excess capital over the short term, buying back stock is an important capital tool, as long as you are buying it back at a reasonable price. And when companies buy back stock, which we only do when it is at a price that we think adds value to our remaining shareholders, the capital is redistributed to investors who can put it to good use elsewhere. It does not disappear. We currently have excess capital, but we hope in the future to be able to invest more of it to grow our businesses. Good financial management is also critical. We have always believed that a deep and detailed understanding of a company's financial and operational statements, including all assets and liabilities and all revenue and expenses, without netting and regardless of whether they are on or off balance sheet, is critical to running a safe and sound organization. However, accounting, and therefore earnings, is not a perfect measure of performance or economics. I would like to discuss a few reasons why. Accounting rules can be counterintuitive, but you can't make business decisions based on them. While we are rigorous about proper accounting and disclosure, sometimes accounting can distort the actual economics of a business. A few examples will suffice. In credit card accounting, for instance, new card customer costs are expensed over the course of a year and inexplicably as a contra-revenue item. In other words, as a reduction of revenue rather than an expense. In addition, under upcoming accounting rules, losses that are expected over the life of the card balance are accounted for upfront. Meanwhile, the earnings from the card are booked over the life of the card, which averages approximately seven years. In connection with mortgage loans we don't own but instead service, in other words, by sending statements and receiving payments on behalf of the mortgagor, the accounting standard requires that we present value expected revenue and expenses and book everything up front. But in cash management, asset management, and many other products that have a similar, somewhat predictable annuity-like revenue stream, the practice is different. The reason I am making this point is that you need to understand the economics of decisions. Accounting can easily make people do silly things. Conservative accounting is better. While we always try to make intelligent economic decisions, I do believe that appropriately conservative accounting is a better way to manage your business. For example, recognize problems early, write off software that is not valuable, don't book revenue that is uncertain, and so on. Aggressive accounting leads to trouble, and while it may help increase performance measures in the short run, it will most certainly be uncovered and reversed at precisely the wrong time. Earnings guidance can be very damaging. Let's be very clear. Transparency with shareholders, proper disclosures, and guidance on certain revenue, expense, and balance sheet items all are good. 
However, earnings themselves in any one quarter are a function of decisions made over many, many years. Quarterly earnings are dependent upon many factors, like cost of goods sold and market prices, which often change, as well as unexpected events, the weather, and wage and gross domestic product, GDP growth. No CEO can predict all of those things, and any analyst with an earnings estimate has made his or her own specific assumptions around them. The real damage to an organization comes from the cumulative corrosiveness of trying to make its numbers. This can be exacerbated by compensation deals and models that can be manipulated to change quarterly results. It's easy to change earnings in a quarter by doing stupid things that help earnings in the short term but are bad in the long term. Examples include asking customers to inappropriately buy more products before the end of the quarter so you can show revenue growth, reducing marketing, not opening that new branch, or not investing in technology that won't have a payback for a year or two. I could go on and on. And this could spiral within a company as loyal, well-meaning employees do what they can to help a company meet its earnings goal. Importantly, in the next section, I speak in detail about responsible banking, client selection, and intensive risk management. Proper management is as critical as anything else we do, but I did not want to repeat the messages here. Four, we lift up our communities. We will never forget that the most important thing we do is to run a healthy and vibrant company that is here to constantly serve our clients with responsible banking. But we want our shareholders and all of our constituents to understand the tremendous amount we do, in addition to traditional banking, to help the communities in which we operate. Our effort is substantial, permanent, and supported by the whole company. One of the reasons for J.P. Morgan Chase's enduring success is we have always recognized that long-term business success depends on community success. When everyone has a fair shot at participating in and sharing in the rewards of growth, the economy will be stronger and our society will be better. We are making significant, long-term, data-driven business and philanthropic investments aimed at opening doors to opportunity for those being left behind. Most people consider corporate responsibility to be enhanced philanthropy. While we are devoted to philanthropy, we are on our way to spending $350 million a year on these efforts. Corporate responsibility is far more than just that. We finance more than $2 billion in affordable housing each year. We do extensive lending in low and moderate income neighborhoods. We lend to and finance small businesses around the country. And we design products and services and financial education for lower income individuals. And importantly, these efforts are supported by senior leadership, managed by some of our best people. These efforts are not an afterthought and are sustainable. We try to be creative, but we analyze everything, including philanthropy, based on expected results. We are huge supporters of regional and community banks, which are critical to many cities and small towns around the country. In an op-ed published by the Wall Street Journal in 2016, I wrote, quote, in this system, regional and smaller community banks play an indispensable role. They sit close to the communities they serve. Their highest-ranking corporate officers live in the same neighborhoods as their clients. They are able to forge deep and long-standing relationships and bring a keen knowledge of the local economy and culture. They frequently are able to provide high-touch and specialized banking services. End quote. J.P. Morgan Chase, as a traditional money center bank, and Banker's Bank 
in fact, is the largest banker in America to regional and community banks. We bank approximately 530 of America's 5,200 regional and community banks. In 2018, we made loans to them or raised capital for them, totaling $4 billion. In addition, we process payments for them. We finance some of their mortgage activities. We advise them on acquisitions and we buy and sell securities for them. We also provide them with interest rate swaps and foreign exchange, both for themselves, to help them hedge some of their exposures, and for their clients. Over the past five years, we have developed and refined a model that may be a blueprint for urban revitalization and inclusive growth. Our head of corporate responsibility describes our significant measures in more detail in his letter, but I highlight a few examples here, including the sidebar on page 20, that describes our focused effort to support black advancement in a number of the communities we serve. Detroit exemplifies the challenges many cities wrestle with, as well as the strategies for solving them. Since 2014, J.P. Morgan Chase has been combining its philanthropy and business expertise to address some of Detroit's biggest economic hurdles, ranging from catalyzing development, building infrastructure and affordable housing, and boosting small business growth to revitalizing education and preparing Detroiters with the skills to secure well-paying jobs. We are deeply proud of our $150 million commitment and the impact we have made to date. The city has been the proving ground for our model for driving inclusive growth, which has made a real difference in Detroit's comeback and the lives of its citizens. Over the past five years, we have taken lessons learned and applied them to other cities facing similar challenges. The Entrepreneurs of Color Fund, EOCF, is another example of how we are turning our insights into action. In 2015, J.P. Morgan Chase helped launch the Entrepreneurs of Color Fund in Detroit to provide underserved entrepreneurs with access to capital and assistance needed to grow and thrive. From 2015 to 2018, the fund made or approved loans totaling $6.6 million to 79 minority small businesses, resulting in over 830 new or preserved jobs. Since then, the Detroit Fund has more than tripled in size to over $22 million. Building on the success of Detroit's EOCF, we expanded this model to San Francisco, the South Bronx, the greater Washington region, and Chicago, where it is also making a real impact. In total, these funds are now approximately $40 million and growing. Advancing Black Pathways, from an op-ed that originally ran on CNN Business. Melody Hobson and Jamie Dimon. Black Americans are still worse off financially. Businesses can help. For all the positive economic trends in America, the racial wealth gap continues to prevent growth from benefiting everyone. While this is not a new crisis, it is one we must urgently address so that economic opportunity is equally extended to black Americans. Racism, intolerance, and poverty strangle economic opportunity. The racial wealth gap is stark. For single black Americans, the median wealth is $200 to $300, compared to $15,000 to $28,000 for single white Americans. This divide undermines financial stability for many black Americans. Closing the racial wealth gap is good for Americans, and it makes good business sense. We know employees from diverse backgrounds offering different perspectives drive better corporate outcomes. 
A recent study showed that businesses with diverse leadership generate 19% more revenue than non-diverse companies. Diversity can also reduce turnover. Nearly 7 in 10 millennials reported they would continue to work at a company for five or more years if it is diverse. As leaders in business, as well as the broader community, we know we have a responsibility to society. Not to mention, as financial services executives, we can help to foster widespread prosperity. To this end, we have both worked to empower black Americans to achieve personal and professional success. For example, After School Matters, a nonprofit founded in 2000, provides enrichment programs to thousands of inner-city high school students in Chicago. Meanwhile, J.P. Morgan Chase's fellowship initiative, founded in 2010, offers hands-on college access and academic support to young men of color in Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, and Dallas. The scale and success of these efforts are impressive, but not enough. There is much more work to be done. Recently, we announced Advancing Black Pathways, a new program at J.P. Morgan Chase that seeks to build on existing efforts to bridge the racial wealth divide and ultimately help black families build wealth. We urge more businesses to join us as we attempt to close this divide. Our current initiative, Advancing Black Leaders, seeks to hire and promote more black senior executives and junior-level employees at J.P. Morgan Chase. We know investing in our employees is key to our company's future. In addition to recruiting more African-American leaders, we also need to focus on retaining them. Since 2016, the firm has increased the number of black managing directors by 41% and black executive directors by 53%. A good start, but just the beginning. Advancing Black Pathways will create a dedicated talent pipeline that will start young black professionals on an early career path and foster a corporate culture that further encourages diversity at all levels. We plan to hire more than 4,000 black students in full-time positions, apprenticeships, and internships over the next five years. J.P. Morgan Chase will also help create job training programs that are aligned with growing industries in the broader communities we serve. We are also investing in the financial success of black Americans through a focus on savings, homeownership, and entrepreneurship. For example, the largest wealth gaps lie in racial disparities among entrepreneurs. If people of color own businesses at the same rates as whites, 9 million more jobs and $300 billion in income would be created. As part of this effort, we are helping to create a $6.65 million Entrepreneurs of Color Fund with local partners in the Washington, D.C. region to expand access to capital, improve business services, and streamline supplier diversity programs for small minority-owned businesses. To date, we have launched similar low-cost loan funds in four other U.S. cities, bringing other investors to the table and leveraging nearly $40 million to support underserved entrepreneurs. Thus far, Entrepreneurs of Color Funds have created or saved more than 1,200 jobs in critical neighborhoods lacking needed resources to grow. Businesses of every size have an important role to play in expanding opportunity. By working together, we can give people a fair and equal chance to succeed, no matter their zip code or skin color. In 2018, we launched Advancing Cities, J.P. Morgan Chase's $500 million five-year initiative to drive inclusive growth in cities around the world. Through this effort, 
We are combining our business and philanthropic resources and expertise to expand opportunity for those being left behind in today's economy. This is a global program. Marking our firm's 150th anniversary in France last year, we announced a $30 million five-year commitment, the first advancing cities investment, to support underserved small businesses and provide skills training to residents in Seine-Saint-Denis and other areas in Greater Paris with high levels of poverty and unemployment. Our recent $350 million new skills at work commitment is focused on how we prepare people to succeed in our transformed workplaces and changing global economy. Over the past five years, we have supported worker education and training around the world, collaborating with nearly 750 partners and nonprofits in 37 countries and 30 U.S. states, affecting 150,000 individuals. We are now bolstering our strategy by promoting better ways for business and education to collaborate, scaling the best education and job training programs. While we know a fundamental disconnect still remains between business and the average citizen, we also believe that the only solution is to remain relentless in our efforts to earn trust from every customer in every community. We believe that is the best we can do. As the largest financial institution in the country, J.P. Morgan Chase understands our responsibility to earn public trust with everyone, every day. When disaster strikes, we give special care to our customers. When disaster strikes, we are there for our customers. After Hurricane Florence and Hurricane Michael devastated the Carolinas and the Gulf Coast respectively, after wildfires destroyed large parts of California, and after a number of other tragic events, we stepped up for our communities and our customers. We also provided relief to customers affected by the recent government shutdown and kept at it until they received their back pay. Here's a list of the kinds of things we did when disaster struck. Re-entered damaged areas, often as the first bank, filling our ATMs and quickly reopening our branches to give customers access to cash, as well as crucial documents in their safe deposit box activated our special care line with specialists to quickly help customers, refunded customers' overdraft fees, extended and deferred payments on customers' car loans, provided necessary relief on customers' mortgage loans, removed minimum payments on credit cards, reducing cash payments and limiting the impact on customer credit reports. In addition, in 2018, donated more than $4 million to emergency assistance agencies around the world, which included immediate help following the earthquake and tsunami in Indonesia, wildfires in Greece, and devastating floods and landslides in Western Japan. Over the past five years, contributed more than $22 million to support immediate and long-term recovery from disasters. Five, we take care of our employees. Our employees are fundamental to the vibrancy and success of our company. At the end of the day, everything we do, from operations and technology to service and reputation, is completely based upon the abilities and character of our employees. Inclusion and diversity. We have more than 256,000 employees globally, with over 170,000 in the United States. Our commitment to creating an inclusive organization is not only about doing the right thing, it's about doing what makes our company stronger. In 2016, we introduced Advancing Black Leaders, 
an expanded diversity strategy focused on increasing hiring, retention, and development of talent from within the black community. We magnified that effort in 2019 with our Advancing Black Pathways Initiative, which is outlined in the sidebar on page 20. Now, in the United States, 50% of our firm's workforce is ethnically diverse. That said, we know we have work to do to increase the representation of ethnically diverse employees at senior levels of the company. On gender diversity, women represent 30% of our firm's senior leadership globally. These are women who run major businesses and functions. Several units on their own would be among Fortune 1000 companies. Investing in the advancement of women is a key focus for our company, and we have established a global firm-wide initiative called Women on the Move that empowers female employees, clients, and consumers to build their career, grow their businesses, and improve their financial health. To encourage diversity and inclusion in the workplace, we have 10 business resource groups, BRG, across the company to connect approximately 100,000 participating employees around common interests, as well as foster networking and camaraderie. Groups are defined by shared affinities, including race and cultural heritage, generation, gender, sexual orientation, disability, and military status. For example, some of our largest BRGs are Adelante for Hispanic and Latino employees, Accessibility for employees who have a disability, Aspire for Asian and Pacific Islander employees, NextGen for early career professionals, Pride for our LGBT plus employees, Bold for black employees, and Women on the Move, our largest group, which has more than 30,000 members globally. Wages. We have been raising wages for our 22,000 employees at the lower end of the pay range. For those earning between $12 and $16.50 an hour in the United States, we have been increasing hourly wages to between $15 and $18, depending on the local cost of living. For employees making $40,000 a year or less in the United States, our average pay increases are around $4,800. This is the right thing to do, and we now offer well above the average hourly wage for most markets. Remember. These jobs are often the first rung on the ladder, and many of these employees soon move on to higher-paying positions. These increases are on top of the firm's comprehensive benefits package, with an average value of $12,000 for employees in the lower wage tier. 401k, retirement. We provide comprehensive retirement benefits, including a competitive 401k plan and dollar-for-dollar -dollar match on 5% of pay. For 2018, the 401k plan match, totaling approximately $482 million, enhanced the retirement savings of 135,000 employees. We recognize that many employees who earn under $60,000 a year often do not invest in a 401k plan because they cannot afford the lost cash flow and therefore do not receive the match. For these employees, we make a discretionary $750 special award to them. This provided 56,000 U.S. employees with $40 million in additional retirement funds. And this money is granted whether or not they make their own contribution to a 401k plan. Health Benefits and Wellness Programs We offer a comprehensive health benefits package in the United States, including a medical plan that covers over 296,000 individuals. 
138,000 employees, 106,000 children, and 52,000 spouses' domestic partners. In 2018, we covered $1.3 billion in medical costs, net of employee payroll contributions. We care very much about our employees' health. We subsidize the health benefit costs of lower wage earners up to 90% of the total cost. For higher paid employees, we subsidize approximately 60%. In addition, recognizing the hardship that deductibles cause for lower paid employees, effective January 1st, 2018, we lowered the deductible in the medical plan by $750 for employees earning less than $60,000. For these employees, if they do their wellness screenings, their effective deductible could be zero. Enrolled employees and spouses' domestic partners earned collectively about $100 million toward their medical reimbursement accounts in 2018, funded by J.P. Morgan Chase for completing wellness activities. Outside the United States, we provide medical coverage to 80,000 employees and their families under local medical insurance plans. 62% of employees around the globe have access to our 54 on-site health and wellness centers, which are staffed with doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, and other health professionals. These centers are extensively visited, in excess of 600,000 encounters a year, and over 100 visits were potentially life-saving interventions, involving, for example, urgent cardiac or respiratory issues. Training. We extensively invest in employee benefits and training opportunities so that our workers can continue to increase their skills and advance their career. Our total direct investment in training and development is approximately $250 million a year. What's more important and hard to measure is the on-the-job training that just about every employee gets from their manager. Education that leads to deep knowledge and promotion opportunities. And, unfortunately, lots of recruiting from our competitors. In 2018, we delivered 9 million hours of training to our employees worldwide, augmented by several new digital learning innovations. Since inception of the program in 2015, 26,500 managers, approximately 60% of all managers, have attended one or more Leadership Edge programs. These offer critical training in leadership and management. While this initiative is costly, we are starting to see results in terms of reduced attrition, higher satisfaction from employees, and better management. Volunteer and Employee Engagement Paid Time Off Policy Effective January 1, 2019, we implemented a new Volunteer and Employee Engagement Paid Time Off Policy, which provides up to eight hours of paid time off each calendar year for volunteer and other firm-sponsored activities. The new policy increases opportunities for employees to participate in volunteer activities and give back to our communities. Parental Leave Policy In 2017, we increased paid parental leave for the primary caregiver to 16 weeks, up from 12 weeks for eligible employees in the United States. In 2018, we extended the leave for non-primary parental caregivers to six weeks of paid time off, up from two weeks. Supporting Veterans Our veteran-focused efforts are centered on facilitating success in veterans' post-service lives, primarily through employment and retention. In 2011, J.P. Morgan Chase and 10 other companies launched the 100,000 Jobs Mission, 
setting a goal of collectively hiring 100,000 veterans. The initiative has resulted in the hiring of more than 500,000 veterans by over 200 member companies of the Veteran Jobs Mission, with the ultimate goal of employing 1 million veterans. J.P. Morgan Chase has hired more than 14,000 U.S. veterans since 2011, including over 1,100 in 2018 alone, with more than 50% coming from diverse backgrounds. We offer internship and rotational entry programs to ease the transition from military service to the financial services industry. Once at our firm, veterans can count on the support of our Office of Military and Veterans Affairs, which sponsors mentorship programs, acclimation and development initiatives, recognition events, and other programs to help bridge the gap between military and corporate cultures. More than 1,000 mortgage-free homes have been awarded to military families through nonprofit partners as part of our firm's Military Home Awards program. We completely support the U.S. military. We cannot understand how any U.S. citizen does not support the extraordinary sacrifice and hardship borne by the military to help protect this great nation. Needless to say, our success is impossible without our employees, and we strive mightily to help them in both their professional and personal lives. Six, we always strive to learn more about management and leadership. At the end of the day, everything we do is done by human beings. In my annual letter to shareholders, I always enjoy sharing what we have learned about management, leadership, and organizations over time. Great management is critical, though true leadership requires more. For any large organization, great management is critical to its long-term success. Great management is disciplined and rigorous. Facts, analysis, detail. Facts, analysis, detail, repeat. You can never do enough, and it does not end. Complex activity requires hard work and not guessing. Test, 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 and learn, learn, learn. And accept failure as a normal recurring outcome. Develop great models, but know that they are not the answer. Judgment has to be involved in matters related to human beings. You need to have good decision-making processes with the right people in the room, the proper dissemination of information, and the appropriate follow-up, all to get to the right decision. Force urgency and kill complacency. Know that there is competition everywhere, all the time, but even if you do all of this well, it is not enough. Real leadership requires heart and humility. It's possible to be very good at the type of management described above, but as managers rise in an organization, they depend on others more and more. The team is increasingly important. Many team members know more than their managers do about certain issues. A team working together can get to a better outcome. I have seen many senior managers ascend into big new roles with a bad reaction to their increasing dependence on other people by hoarding information, never allowing themselves to be embarrassed, and demanding personal loyalty versus loyalty to the organization and its principles. They don't grow into the new job. They swell into it. I have often felt that dependency on their teams makes these folks feel paranoid or insecure, leading to this bad behavior. Good leaders have the humility to know that they don't know everything. They foster an environment of openness and sharing. They earn trust and respect. There are no friends of the boss. Everyone gets equal treatment. 
The door is universally open to everybody. Everyone knows that these leaders are only trying to do the right thing for customers and clients. They share the credit when things go well and take the blame when it does not. And true leaders don't just show they care, they actually do care. While they demand hard work and effort, they work as hard as anyone, and they have deep empathy for their employees under any type of stress. They are patriots, not mercenaries. They have the heart to wear the jersey every day. You need to stay hungry and scrappy. Competition is everywhere, but often, very successful companies are lulled into a false sense of security. Having worked at a number of companies not nearly as successful as ours, I have to confess that I kind of like being the underdog. We fought every day to even try to get to the major leagues. All companies are subject to inertia, insipid bureaucracy, and other flaws, which must be eradicated. If a company isn't staying on edge, maintaining a fire in its belly and pushing forward, it will eventually fail. 7. We do not worry about some issues. Since we shared issues that are high priorities, it is almost as important to describe the issues we don't worry about daily and why. A few are listed below. We do not worry about the stock price in the short run. If you continue to build a great company, the stock price will take care of itself. We do not worry about quarterly earnings. Build the company for the future and you will maximize earnings over the long run. While we worry extensively about all of the risks we bear, we essentially do not worry about things like fluctuating markets and short-term economic reports. We simply manage through them. We do not worry about loan growth. It is most definitely an outcome of how we manage credit and client decisions. We will not stretch, ever, to show growth in loans. While we fanatically manage our company, we do not worry about missing revenue or expense budgets for good reasons. This is not a mixed message. We want our leaders to do the right thing for the long term and explain it if they have good reasons to diverge from prior plans. We do not worry about charge-offs increasing in a recession. We fully expect it, and we manage our business knowing there will be good times and bad times. Suffice it to say, we stay devoted to these principles.